أعوذ بالله من الشيطان اللعين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters ورحمة الله وبركاته I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa Alhamdulillah, uh, we've reached the seventh year after the Hijrah. The most significant event after the signing of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah is none other than the famous Battle of Islam known as the Battle of Khaybar. We spoke a little bit about the events leading up to this battle in our last episode. And I want to speak a little bit about uh, some of the remaining things that I think uh, is beneficial for us to, to know and reflect upon. We have a report from uh, the famous uh, scholar and historian Al-Waqidi who died in 207 after the Hijrah. He writes... وَكَانَ مَنْ كَانَ بِالْمَدِينَةِ مِنَ الْيَهُودِ يَقُولُونَ حِينَ تَجَهَّزَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ إِلَىٰ خَيْبَرِ مَا أَمْنَعَ وَاللَّهِ خَيْبَرَ مِنْكُمْ Al-Waqidi, he says that in Medina, there were a group of Jews. Now, this is uh, kind of confusing because uh, to the best of our knowledge, all of the... Uh, the Jews were banished from Medina at this point, but it seems that perhaps there were pockets and you know certain groups of of Jews who remained uh, in Medina. This seems to be the case based on this narration. He says that in Medina there were a group of Jews who said to the Muslims, as they were preparing to set off for Khaybar. So the Prophet is mobilizing his uh, his army to advance towards Khaybar. Now some of the Jews try to weaken the resolve of the Muslims. They say to them, مَا أَمْنَعَ وَاللَّهِ خَيْبَرَ مِنْكُمْ By God, how impenetrable is the fortress of Khaybar. لَوْ رَأَيْتُمْ خَيْبَرَ وَحُصُونَهَا وَرِجَالَهَا لَرَجَعْتُمْ قَبْلَ أَن تَصِلُوا إِلَيْهِمْ so the Jews, they say to the Muslims, you know, they insinuate this. They, uh, they insinuate to them that you guys don't know who you're going up against. How impenetrable is the fortress of Khaybar? If you were to see Khaybar, they say to the Muslims, if you were to see Khaybar and its fortress and its men, you would retreat before even reaching it. Meaning you would turn back, you would run away. So here you see that the, some of the Jews in Medina, they were trying to persuade the Muslims not to advance towards Khaybar. Of course, they were looking after their brethren and they wanted to play this kind of psychological game with the Muslims. Essentially saying to them that you are heading towards a formidable enemy. You don't have the strength and the resources to defeat the Jews in Khaybar. And then they continue, and then they describe uh, the land of Khaybar, and you know what what they are 
what they should expect to see if they reach the uh, the village of Khaybar. Husunun shamikhat fi dar al-jibal. So the Jews in Medina they say to the Muslims that in Khaybar there are towering fortresses that have been that are built in the mountains. And the water is free flowing. They say that in Khaybar there are a thousand men with sh- with shields, meaning that there are a thousand fighters who are armed. They say to them that the tribes of Asad and Ghatafan, who were basically Jewish allies who were living outside of uh, uh, Mecca, these tribes were protected, meaning Quraysh would not dare fight against the tribe of Asad and Ghatafan because of this partnership, because of their because of the fact that the Jews in Khaybar were their allies. You really think that you can withstand the uh, the Jews of Khaybar? The Jews of, of Khaybar are the reason why the mighty Quraysh would not attack certain Arab tribes because they had the backing of the Jews of Khaybar. So this is the messaging that's that the Jews are delivering to the companions of the Prophet. Now it's, it's very evident that they're trying to weaken them psychologically. Now the companions of the Prophet, based on the report of Al-Waqidi, they give a very beautiful response. They say, فَيَقُولَ أَصْحَابُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهِ قَدْ وَعَدَهَ اللَّهُ نَبِيَّهُ أَنْ يُغَنِّمَهُ إِيَّاهَا The companions, they say, God has promised His Prophet the spoils of Khaybar. That we, are, we will not be intimidated by this talk. We are advancing because this is the promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to His Messenger. That not only will we defeat the Jews of Khaybar, but we will also uh, collect uh, the spoils from, from that battle. وَخَرَجَ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهِ مِنَ الْمَدِينَةِ عَشْرُونَ مْرَأَةِ This is a very interesting uh, report. Al-Waqidi says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وآله, he departed Medina. Of course, he's, he's joined by the men who are essentially going to fight. But he's also accompanied by 20 women. 20 women from Medina, they join Rasulullah on this military expedition. And Al-Waqidi, he gives the names of, uh, of, uh, of these women. Um Salama, you know, his wife, Safiya, the, the aunt of the Prophet, Um Ayman, and the list continues. Now, what was the role of, of these women? The narrations mention that they joined the army as nurses and water carriers. Meaning, of course, it wasn't expected of them 
to fight because again men are not like women even though today we live in an, a time and an age where you know these biological realities are blurred and sometimes outrightly uh, ignored so they part they join but they join as nurses they join as water carriers not as fighters so 20 of them they accompany the army of the muslims towards khaybar the prophet sallallahu he's now leaving medina now the prophet sallallahu as is his habit he leaves a deputy in his absence. He, he's not going to leave Medina without anyone in charge. So he appoints Siba ibn Urfuta al-Ghifari as his deputy. And he sets out. He leaves Medina at the end of Safar or the first of Rabi' al-Awwal, depending on the, the narrations. And he leaves he leaves. Medina with two guides, two individuals who serve as guides from Ashja'ah. So he orders the guides. So as they're leaving Medina, Rasulullah he tells these guides that he wants them to lead. He wants the guides to lead them to Khaybar from a Western approach so they can avoid contact with the Jews and Ghatafan. They want to try to avoid running into these tribes because they want to reach the fortress. They don't want any fighting to happen on the way to Khaybar. Now, the Jews of Medina, of course, this is another uh, instance of uh, treachery and treason and betrayal. The Jews of Medina, they send a man to Khaybar to inform them that the Prophet's troops are few and that they should stay strong. Meaning that if the Muslims arrive, don't back down. Because you have a, uh, a numerical majority. You have more fighters. And you have more weapons. And you have, you have a military advantage. You have your fortresses and so on. Now, so the Jews, they send someone to deliver this message. To the Jews of Khaybar. They also send a man who pretends to be a traveler, who pretends to be a traveler and spread false rumors that the tribe of Ghatafan are already on their way to Khaybar as a reinforcement. So again, the, the objective here is to weaken the resolve and to psychologically uh, make the Muslims doubt themselves. So this is a type of psychological warfare that the Jews of Medina here are playing. So they send this traveler to spread you know, these rumors. This individual, this traveler is captured by the Muslims. They're able to sniff him out. They figure out that he's a spy. And of course, you know, this is wartime. They end up beating the truth out of him. You know, So they get the truth out of him and uh, they discover that all of this uh, was nothing more than rumors, and the Muslims continue marching towards Khaybar. The Prophet ﷺ, as they're moving towards Khaybar, he sends one of his companions by the name of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. Sa'ad ibn Ubadah is sent 
to meet with the leader of Ghatafan. Now remember, the, the, the tribe of Ghatafan, they are allies of the Jews. The leader of Ghatafan was a man by the name of Uyayna ibn Hisn. Sa'ad, he goes to him and he tempts him. He makes an offer to him that if you abandon the Jews, we will give you a year's harvest of Khaybar's dates. I mean, look at the confidence of the Muslims. They already know that they're going to conquer Khaybar. And they say that, listen, if you abandon, if you leave the Jews, if you abandon them, we will reward you with a year's harvest of Khaybar's dates. Now, this was a very lucrative offer. Initially, he refuses. He refuses to turn back on his allies. Now, Sa'ad tells his men that they need to you know, uh, put, uh, put forward a show of bravado to kind of have a, a show of force, essentially telling them that, listen, we mean business. So <clears throat> Sa'ad is able to intimidate the, the leader, the chief of Ghatafan, <clears throat> and ultimately he decides to desert the Jews. And this is uh, similar to what happened in the, the battle of Ahzab. So the tribe of Ghatafan decides to back off. They're not going to interfere in this battle between Rasulullah and the Jews of Khaybar. <clears throat> the narrations mention that when the Muslims were marching, you, know, you can just imagine hundreds if not thousands of the companions of the Prophet, they're marching with the Prophet and they're chanting Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. So they're shouting this. Some of them are shouting this uh, tasbih at the top of their lungs. And this is where the Prophet ﷺ, he says to the Muslims, O people, be gentle with yourselves. There's no need for you to shout. There's no need for you to be, to be rambunctious. The Prophet ﷺ, he says, For verily the one you are calling out to is not deaf. There's no need for you to shout like this. Yes, we are we are advancing towards Khaybar. This is a military campaign. But you're speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no need for you to shout. He can hear you and see you and is nearer to you than your jugular vein. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he echoes that uh, the message of the Quranic verse where Allah says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa nahnu aqrabu ilayhi min hablil wareed that indeed we are closer to him, we are closer to the human being than his jugular vein. You see, you notice here that the Prophet ﷺ, he's trained his men that even though this, is a, this will be a battle, he's training them to treat these military expeditions as acts of worship. Right? This is not just about territorial expansion. This is not about accumulating spoils of war. This is about establishing truth. This is about the victory of the law of God over other laws and ways. 
So this is this this is a uh, a battle that is rooted in Islamic values. It's not just it's not an imperialist uh, mindset. When the Prophet drew near to Khaybar, he said to his men, he said to the the Muslims, halt. He he tells them to stop. The Sahaba they stop. And Rasulullah he raises his hands to the sky. And he makes a dua. So again, look at how much dua and dhikr we see in these military expeditions of the Prophet. Rasulullah he raises his hands in dua and he says, Allahumma rabba samawati sab' wa ma adlan. O Allah, Lord of the seven heavens, and what they shade. Lord of the seven earths and what they maintain. The Lord of the devils and what they lead astray. I ask you for the good of this village and the good of what is in it. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ شَرِّهَا وَشَرِّ مَا فِيهَا And I seek refuge with you from its evil and the evil that is in it. So look at the, look at the God-centric approach, even in times of war. The Prophet ﷺ is not telling his men that, you know, we are strong enough, we will defeat them, we are the most powerful force on earth. No, he reminds them that we have a Lord, we have a Creator. We have a master, right, who will help us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who will facilitate our victory. We need his support. We should know that any victory that comes to us is ultimately from the help and the support of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykh al-Mufid, the, the great uh, Shi'i scholar who was one of the, who was the highest uh, Shi'i authority of his time. He died in 413 after the Hijrah. He has many publications. Among the books that he wrote was Kitabul Irshad. Kitabul Irshad is basically a biography of the Imams of Ahlul Bayt. The majority of it, of course, is on the life of Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam. And it focuses primarily on uh, his accolades uh, during the uh, the time of the Prophet. So the majority of the book is dedicated to Ali ibn Abi Talib salam. He writes, he mentions an incident, and you know the rest of what I'll share with you is actually taken verbatim from Kitabul Irshad. Sheikh Al Mufid mentions an incident where there was an there was an assassination attempt. Someone attempted to assassinate the Prophet during his uh, during his march towards Khaybar. He writes, فَلَمَّا كَانَ نِصْفُ النَّهَارِ نَادَانَا مُنَادِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ فَاجْتَمَعْنَا إِلَيْهِ The narration says that at the time of Zuhr, in midday, a caller called out someone who was making an announcement on behalf of the Prophet. 
So the Prophet ﷺ, through this individual, through this caller, he summoned us. So we gathered around the Prophet. We saw that next to the Prophet, there was a man who we had never seen. He was sitting next to the Prophet. The Prophet says, This man who's sitting beside me, he came to me while I was asleep. The Prophet was sleeping under a tree. And he basically took my sword and he drew my sword against me. So imagine the Prophet is resting under a tree. This man, this mysterious person shows up. He takes the sword of the Prophet, attempts to kill the Prophet. So he grabs the sword of the Prophet to kill Rasulullah. He says, Ya Muhammad, man yamna'uka minni al-yawm. O Muhammad, who will protect you from me today? Qult, Allahu yamna'uni mink. I said to him that Allah will protect me from you. The moment I said to him that Allah will protect me, he put the sword away and he has been sitting like this without moving ever since that moment. So the companions of the Prophet, they say, Ya Rasulullah, لَعَلَّ فِي عَقْلِهِ شَيْئًا did something happen to his intellect? Did he lose his mind? Did he become crazy? فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ نَعَمْ دَعُوا That at that moment, from the dua of the Prophet, this man, it seems that he lost his mind. He was completely paralyzed in that moment. The Prophet says that yes, he's no longer of sound mind. Leave him. ثُمَّ صَرَفَهُ وَلَمْ يعاقب. So the Prophet left him. The Sahaba all left him. But he basically remained essentially frozen with his, with his mind completely uh, compromised. He, he had an unsound mind after that uh, statement of the Prophet. Shaykh al-Mufid also notes, and this is also mentioned in uh, other historical reports, the Prophet he besieged Khaybar for more than 20 days. Right? So the battle of Khaybar is not you know, a battle that took place, you know, on you know one afternoon it was a very very lengthy showdown between the muslims and the jews of khaybar now during these 20 days the flag bearer right the standard bearer was none other than amir al-mu'minin ali ibn abi talib salawatullahi alayhi now during this period Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, he, was, he started to suffer of some pain in his eyes. It seems that he developed some sort of ailment that prevented him from being actively involved in, uh, in some of the, uh, the military operations. Now the, the strategy of the, the military strategy of the Muslims, you know, so they're they're surrounded. You have all of these fortresses, and their strategy was to attack the Jews in front of their fortresses and try to attack them from the side of the fortresses. Now, the narrations say so. Again, going back to the uh, the reports 
by Sheikh Al-Mufid in Kitab Al-Irshad. He writes, فَلَمَّا كَانَ ذَاتَ يَوْمٍ فَتَحُ الْبَابِ So one day the Muslims were able to overcome the gate. They were able to get access to the gate of one of the fortresses. But they had dug a trench around themselves. وَقَدْ كَانُوا خَنْدَقُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَخَرَجَ مَرْحَبْ بِرَجْلِهِ يَتَعَرَّضُ لِلْحَرْبِ So, Marhab, who is probably the most prominent warrior among the Jews, Marhab comes out not riding on a horse. He comes out on foot. And he challenges the Muslims to battle. And it seems that Marhab was, you know, uh, the military commander of his, his brigade. فَدَعَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِ أَبَا بَكْرِ So Amir al-Mu'mineen, is, he has an eye ailment. He can't participate. The narration says that the Prophet ﷺ, he summoned Abu Bakr. And he said to him, فَقَالَ لَهُ أُخُذِ الرَّايَةِ Take the standard, فَأَخَذَهَا So Abu Bakr took the flag, the standard. فِي جَمْعٍ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ There were a group of the emigrants. There were a group of the muhajirin who were with him. فَاجْتَهَدَ وَلَمْ so Abu Bakr takes the standard, he took a number of the muhajireen with him, and they fight without achieving anything. They tried their best, but they were pushed back. They were not able to conquer and uh, access the fortress. So the Prophet ﷺ, he has of course his, his, tents, his tent set up. Abu Bakr and the muhajireen, they return. فَعَادَ يُؤَنِّبُ الْقَوْمَ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوا وَيُؤَنِّبُونَ So Abu Bakr returns and he's vigorously denouncing uh, the men who were with him while they were also vigorously blaming him. So Abu Bakr is blaming the soldiers. The soldiers are blaming Abu Bakr. So he's blaming them for not doing, you know, uh, not fulfilling the job, not showing enough courage. And they're essentially blaming him for not being a good leader. So they come back blaming each other. The next day, the narration says, Umar. Umar stepped forward and he wanted to hold the flag and he wanted to lead the army to try to access the the fortress now the narration with Abu Bakr indicates that there was some fighting that took place with Umar ibn al-Khattab it says the latter went a little way with it and then came back so Umar did not even travel very far according to this narration. فَسَارَ بِهَا غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ They had barely set out and they returned. So there was no fighting that took place. They came back and didn't even face off against Marhab. 
and the other Jews. ثُمَّ رَجْعَ يُجَبِّنُ أَصْحَابَهُ وَيُجَبِّنُونَ When Umar came back, he, he was accusing his men of being cowards, while they were also accusing Umar of being a coward. This is, this is mentioned by Shaykh Al-Mufid. And in fact, you know, just as a cross-reference, if you look at the work of Al-Hakim Al-Naysaburi, who died in 405 after the Hijrah, in his magnum opus, Al-Mustadrak ala sahihain which is a supplement to the Sahihain, which is a reference to Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Al-Hakim al-Naysaburi, basically what he did, he collected all of the narrations that are authentic based on the standard of authentication of Bukhari and Muslim. So he includes all of these, the ahadith, that qualify as authentic based on the criterion of Bukhari and Muslim. So among those ahadith that meet the evidentiary threshold set by Bukhari and Muslim is the following narration. An Abi Zubair, An Jabir, An Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu an, anna nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, دَفَعَ الرَّايَةَ يَوْمَ خَيْبَرْ إِلَىٰ عُمَرِ The narration mentioned by Al-Hakim. And by the way, Al-Hakim literally means the, uh, the one who acts as like a judge in the world of hadith. This is, a, this is someone who was so learned and you know, so prominent in the science of hadith that his verdict on whether a narration is sound or unsound or authentic or unauthentic is something that cannot easily be dis- be dismissed you know these titles are not arbitrarily given this was a title that was given to him by his peers so al-hakim al-naysaburi he says that jabir a companion of the, of the prophet he narrates that the prophet sallallahu gave the standard to Umar ibn al-Khattab on the day of Khaybar. فانطلق, and then he set, he set out. فَرَجْعَ يُجَبِّنُ أَصْحَابَهُ وَيُجَبِّنُونَ And he came back accusing his men of being cowards and they also accused him of being a coward. And then Al-Hakim al-Naysaburi, he has a note at the end of this hadith. He says, هَذَا حَدِيثٌ صَحِيحٌ that this narration is authentic based on the conditions of authenticity that uh, that Muslim Muslim Ibn Hajjaj has uh, uh, outlined. So again, you know, this is not a narration that you can that one can dismiss as oh, this is just something that's mentioned in the books of the Shia. Now, this, this is actually uh, found in, uh, in non-Shia works as well. The narration continues. So now going back to Shaykh al-Mufid's uh, book, Kitab al-Irshad, فَقَالَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهِ لَيْسَتْ هَذِهِ الرَّايَةُ لِمَنْ حَمَلَهَا 
When Rasulullah sees that Umar ibn al-Khattab has essentially retreated, he has come back, he says that this standard is not for anyone to carry. This is not for, for someone like you. This is not for someone who is afraid, who is, who has, who is cowardly. The Prophet then says, The Prophet says that there's only one man for this job. There's only one individual who can conquer Khaybar. So the Prophet says that this, this standard is for Ali ibn Abi Talib. This flag is for Ali ibn Abi Talib. They say to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, innahu armad. Ya Rasulullah, Ali has an eye condition. He has an ailment. He has some sort of infection in his eye. فَقَالَ أَرُونِي تَرُونِي رَجُلًا يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ The Prophet says, show him to me. Meaning, I know he has an eye ailment, but bring him to me. And if you bring him to me, you will show me a man who loves Allah and His Messenger and whom Allah and His Messenger love. It's a very famous narration. And the Prophet, he says, This man, Ali ibn Abi Talib, when he holds the standard of Islam, he will give it its due right. It shows you that holding the standard is not a joke. Because the standard represents the morale of the army of Islam. Right? When the standard falls, this weakens the determination and the resolve of the Muslims. The one who holds the standard cannot be a coward. The one who holds the standard cannot, cannot it's not someone that can be stifled. It's not someone who should stumble. No. It needs to be someone who's firm, who's steadfast, who's courageous, who's not afraid of death. He's not someone who will flee. And the Prophet is basically saying that those who went before him, they fled, they retreated. I'm going to send someone who will never retreat, who will never turn his back in the battlefield. They brought Ali ibn Abi Talib to the Prophet and they were guiding him. The Imam, Salamullahi alayhi, he was not able to see. He had to be guided to the Prophet. Oh Ali, what's wrong? What's the matter with your eyes? Ali, he says to the Prophet that I have an eye ailment that, that prevents me from seeing and I have pain in my head, this intense you know, migraine or headache that I have. فَقَالَ لَهُ أَجْلِسْ عَلَى The Prophet says to Ali, Oh Ali, sit, put your head in my lap. فَفَعَلَ عَلِيٌّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ ذَلِكْ فَدَعَى لَهُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَتَفَلَ فِي يَدِهِ فَمَسَحَهَا عَلَىٰ عَيْنَيْهِ وَرَأْسِهِ The Prophet, he took some, he placed Ali, the head of Ali in his lap. Rasulullah made a dua. 
and he took some of his saliva and he wiped it on the eyes of Ali and on the head of Ali. فَانْفَتَحَتْ The eyes of Ali ibn Abi Talib, they opened. وَسَكَنَ مَا كَانَ يَجِدُهُ مِنَ الصُّدَاعِ And whatever pain he was feeling in his head, that pain was eased. It dissipated. Amir al-Mu'mineen السلام, was cured through the dua and through the blessed saliva of the Messenger of Allah. وَقَالَ لَهُ خُذِ الرَّايَ Rasulullah, he gives the standard to Ali and he says, take the standard and set forth with it. فَجِبْرَائِيلُ مَعَكَ Oh Ali, go, take the, take the flag, take the standard because Jibra'il is with you. وَالنَّصْرُ أَمَامَكَ And victory is in front of you. وَالرُّعْبُ مَثْبُوتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الْقَوْمِ and terror and fear is spread. It has engulfed the hearts of the enemy. وَعْلَمْ يَا عَلِي أَنَّهُمْ يَجِدُونَ فِي كِتَابِهِمْ أَنَّ الَّذِي يُدَمِّرُ عَلَيْهِمْ اسْمُهُ And know, O Ali, that they have found in their book, in their scriptures, the name of the one who will destroy them is Ilya, which is a kind of a, a Hebrew version of the name Ali. فَإِنَّهُمْ يُخْذَلُونَ إِن شَاءَ اللَّهِ فَإِذَا لَقَيْتَهُمْ فَقُلْ أَنَا عَلِي Therefore, O Ali, when you go to them, introduce yourself. Tell them that I am Ali. Because when they hear your name, their hearts will tremble and they will be defeated by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَالَ عَلِيٌّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, he says, فَمَضَيْتُ بِهَا حَتَّى أَتَيْتَ الْحُصُونَ Ali ibn Abi Talib, he says, I set out with it, with the, with the standard, until I came to the fortress. فَخَرَجَ مَرْحَبٌ وَعَلَيْهِ مَغْفَرْ وَحَجَرٌ قَدْ ثَقَّبَهُ مِثْلَ الْبَيْضَ عَلَىٰ رَأْسِهِ Marhab, the great Jewish warrior, he came out of the fortress. He was wearing a helmet and a stone, it seems that maybe this happened during uh, one of the skirmishes, a stone made a hole and it was exposing the top of his Head, the whiteness of the top of his head. Of course, it was customary for these warriors to introduce themselves using lines of poetry. Now, what did Marhab say? He says, he says, Khaybar knows that I am Marhab, the carrier of arms, a hero who has been tested and tried. And this is where Ali ibn Abi Talib, he responds with his famous lines of poetry. He says, أَكِيلُكُمْ بِالسَّيْفِ كَيْلَ السَّنْدَرَ 
He says, Ali ibn Abi Talib says, I am he whom my mother called a lion. Haidara is it's one of the one of the words that means lion. It's a synonym for lion, for Asad. He says, I am he whom my mother called a lion. Like a lion of the forests, fierce in strength, with my sword, I will make you weigh the weight of an ear torn off. An ear that's torn off is very light. Meaning, Amir al muminin is saying that with my sword, I'm going to pulverize you. I'm going to cut you to pieces. So much so that you won't even have weight anymore. فَاخْتَلَفْنَا ضَرْبَتَيْنِ So, Ali ibn Abi Talib is reporting this. According to Shaykh al-Mufid, فَاخْتَلَفْنَا ضَرْبَتَيْنِ We exchanged blows. So, they struck each other. فَبَدَرْتُهُ فَضَرَبْتُهُ فَقَدَتَّ الْحَجَرُ وَالْمَغْفَرُ وَرَأْسَهُ حَتَّى وَقَعَ السَّيْفُ فِي أَضْرَاسِهِ وَخَرَّ صَرِيعًا the battle between Ali ibn Abi Talib and Marhab was very brief. It's very brief. Similar to the battle in Khandaq where Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam killed. Um, he killed uh, in, the battle, uh, in the battle of Khandaq Amr ibn Abid Wad al-Amiri. So Ali says, we exchange blows. I came quickly against him and I struck him. Ali ibn Abi Talib was known for his swift strikes. He says, I cut through the place where the hole was. So on the top of his, uh, on the top of Marhab's helmet, there was a hole, there was an opening, it was exposed. He says, I struck him on his head and I cut through the hole in the helmet. The Imam cut through the helmet, essentially, and through his head so that my sword reached his teeth. The Imam literally split his head open. And Marhab, he falls to the ground. It is reported that when Amir al-Mu'mineen said, I am Ali ibn Abi Talib, he shouted this out you know, in, in his duel with Marhab. One of the rabbis who was in the area, in the fortress, he called out to the Jews, I swear by what was revealed to Moses that you are defeated. This is the man whose name is mentioned in our scriptures. This is the prophecy that is mentioned in our sacred books. As a result, when Ali ibn Abi Talib killed Marhab and the Jews knew that Marhab, the great warrior, was killed by Ali, as a result, Terror entered their hearts and they were not able to bear it. Sheikh Al Mufid he continues and he says, Lama Katala Lama Katala Amir al Mu'minin alayhi salam marhaba Raja man kana ma'ahu wa aglaku bab al hisni alayhim duna. When Amir al Mu'minin when he killed Marhab, those who were with Marhab, you know, his, his men, they, they went back into the fortress and they locked the gate of the fortress. 
فصار أمير المؤمنين عليه السلام إليه فعالجه حتى فتعة إمام علي بن أبي طالب he goes to the gate of the fortress and he opens it he worked on it he was able to open it the narration says now there was a trench and the other Muslims were not able to cross that trench فَأَخَذَ أَمِيرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ بَابَ الْحِصْنِ فَجَعَلَهُ عَلَى الْخَنْدَقِ جِسْرًا لَهُمْ حَتَّى عَبَرُوا وَظَفَرُوا بِالْحِصْنِ وَنَالُوا الْغَنَائِمِ Now, Amir al-Mu'mineen sees that there's a trench that's preventing the Muslims from crossing into the fortress. So Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, he takes the gate of Khaybar and he places it and he makes it a makeshift bridge for the Muslims to cross. So, Amir al-Mu'mineen salam, he captures the gate, he unhinges the gate, and he used it as a bridge across the trench so that they might go across and conquer, conquer the fortress. And the Muslims go and they collect the spoils from from that fortress. من الحصون, when they withdrew from the fortress, أخذه أمير المؤمنين بيمينه فدحى به أذرعا من الأرض. Now, when they came out, when the Muslims came out of the fortress, when they crossed over the, the gate again, which was a makeshift bridge, Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, he picked up the gate of Khaybar with his right hand and he spread it out many meters over the ground. And Sheikh Al-Mufid, he writes here, وَكَانَ الْبَابُ يَغْلُقُهُ عَشْرُونَ رَجُلًا مِّنْهُمْ It would take 20 men just to lock this door, to secure it. Amir al-Mu'mineen through this, you know, this, uh, this karama that he had, this incredible God-given strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this God-given strength that he had, he was able to do what, what none of the companions were able to do. And this is the battle of Khandaq is one of those battles that truly reminds us that Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib is not like others. Indeed, this is the hero of Islam. This is the, the most beloved to the Prophet ﷺ. And inshallah, in our next episode, we'll speak a little bit about the aftermath of Khaybar and specifically how the spoils were divided and some of the, uh, the information uh, relating to uh, the, uh, the post-battle. Uh, Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for tuning in once again. I look forward to having you join me in uh, future episodes of the life of Prophet Muhammad. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وآله الطاهرين